0: Happiness is an inside job. At Happy Healthy You, Connie Bowman helps us find our way with inspiring conversations and healthy ideas for living a whole life in mind, body and spirit. Happy Healthy You. And now, here's Connie. So I just love it when people come back on the podcast. I have somebody on today that came early on, like, what, two and a half almost three years ago. I've been doing this podcast for a while now. And when he came on, I was a little green, shall we say, and I actually forgot to turn my mic on. (laughs) So I'm so happy that he came back today to let me redeem myself. And he's written a book, so I'm super excited. Dan Eisner is a psychiatric occupational therapist. He's a certified life coach, with more than 18 years experience. He specializes in the development of mindfulness and emotional intelligence. You have to go back and listen to that first podcast. He was so awesome. He uses principles based on the latest advances in neuroscience. And while he's passionate about lots of things, what he loves the most is inspiring others to trust their intuition and to stay on their own path. He works with the healthcare professional and personal clients, and he has a personal mission to change healthcare care. So I love that about you, Dan. Thank you so much for coming back on the podcast.
1: Well, thank you for having me
0: and you have this new book you 're the author of the Clinical Success Formula, and the subtitle is "How to Reduce Anxiety: Build Confidence, and Pass with Flying Colors." Now, one would think this book was written for the healthcare professional. However, when I open the pages, I can benefit from almost everything in this book. So, talk about why you wrote this book and who is it actually targeted toward?
1: Well, you know, this book is, is I wrote this particular book speaking to healthcare professionals and more specifically speaking to students mm-hmm. uh, who are in, who are getting ready to transition from their student role to their professional role. Mm-hmm. Because there's really not a lot of education that really teaches you how to sort of put it all together and and manage yourself emotionally. And working in healthcare for close to 20 years now, you know, it's unfortunate that a lot of the quality of care that people receive is really not as good as it could be. And that has a lot to do with people not really knowing how to manage their own stress. Mm-hmm. And that affects... Um, you know, how they interact with the people that they're serving. Mm. And I got really, really, really frustrated with seeing that almost on a regular basis. And I wanted to do something about it. And um, so that's one of the reasons why I wrote this book.
0: Well, the doctors and healthcare professionals, from in my experience, my limited experience, thankfully, because I'm fairly healthy, but I have recorded some voiceovers for um, training doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals, and I know that they get very little in the way of mindfulness and personal uh, development, and and so that's what you bring to the table, really, right? This this awareness, this consciousness. Can you talk about that and, and why is that so lacking in our medical training for these people?
1: <laughs> well, you know, we've, it's, it's a, not an easy question to answer, but I think one of the ways to start answering that is that we've become very, we're sort of very materialistic in our culture and we're all about um, the bottom line and getting as much care as we can and getting as much revenue as we possibly mm. can. Um, and all about doing more 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 and more. Oh. It's, that, it's that old, that old saying. You know, we we have become human doings. Mm-hmm. So we're actually human beings, but we forgot. We've kind of forgotten about the importance of actually really being present with ourselves and present with other people. Um, so, and you know, and as healthcare providers, we're really expected to do more with less. So they've been, you know, cutting, you know, cutting funding and all kinds of things have been happening in healthcare for, you know, for quite some time.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: there's more, so there's pressure to do more with less. And um, you know, it's, so it's when people are stressed, you know, that's going to come across and how it's gonna it's gonna come out in the way that they're you know dealing with people
0: dealing with their patients, which is a word that you, you write, you want to take out of the vernacular of the healthcare professional. Can you, can you tell us why the word patient should be banned from?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there, if you actually say the word patient, if you close your eyes and you say the word patient to yourself and you feel in your body, you'll probably notice a constriction or you'll kind of, it doesn't feel good. And I don't, know anyone who likes to be called a patient Mm. and what that does when we use the word patient there's a lot of separation um you know especially in our healthcare system like i'm the doctor and you're the patient or i'm the nurse and you're the patient and so that word kind of reinforces that separation we we forget about really approaching that we're all human beings and we Mm -hmm. forget how to sort of meet with people on that level um, so it's a word that I never, literally never say if I can if I, if I can at all avoid it because um, it just reinforces that.
0: So what is your hope that say say I'm a doctor and I pick up this book? Let's just start with the docs because we we've all had experiences with doctors and many doctors are not. They keep their what is it their professional uh demeanor, shall we say, and it's not always as pleasant as we would like for it to be as purchasers of yeah. their <laughs> yeah. their services um What do you hope like if I were a doctor, what would you hope that I would get out of this book
1: Well, you know what this book really it advocates really for three things: one is self awareness
0: mm-hmm.
1: one is attention. And one is intention, and you know these things are so simple, but they're they're so simple that they're often overlooked. Mm-hmm. And last year, I gave a, a little sort of in service to a group of I think they were third year residents, and I asked them, "Well, why do you want to be doctors?" It's and a good question. <laughs> you, nowadays you could literally yeah. hear pin a pin drop. They, they really, they didn't know how to answer that question. And then their defense, you know, especially residents, I mean, they are overworked. They're given a lot of grunt work to do. And they're, you know, they're, they have a lot of pressure um, put upon them. And so they often forget, you know, so it be, the intention becomes, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. When that's kind of a surface-oriented intention. When I think if people really take a step back and think about why do why did i want to why did i choose this profession well most people would say well i really want to serve people it makes me feel good to help another person but again when we are so running in overdrive that that surface intention sort of takes over Mm -hmm. and we forget about why we were here in the first place Um, and again back to what we were saying before it's just we're you know Everywhere in our culture, it's always faster, faster, faster. You know, mm-hmm. more and more and more people are. You know, we get upset when our internet isn't fast enough, or you know, mm-hmm. social media isn't working fast enough. And so, and it's sort of like you know, actually one of the greatest examples that I can think of. You might have heard of that heard of that movie Click with Adam mm-hmm. Sandler. Mm-hmm. In case anyone listening hasn't heard of it, you know, it's Adam Sandler, and he he gets a magic remote control. So he can just fast forward and he can, he wants a promotional work, he just fast forward and he's there. He's got an argument with his wife, he just fast forward and it's over. And of course what ends up happening is the remote control gets programmed and now he can't stop it from moving. You know, he can't stop and it's going in overdrive all the time. And for me, one of the most memorable scenes is when he can kind of watch himself like on video, seeing how he was interacting with his father. And he didn't realize how rude he was being because, again, he wasn't aware, mm-hmm. he wasn't paying attention, he wasn't aware of what he was intending in that moment. So that's really what the book advocates for. And if there's one thing that I would hope that when anyone who reads this book that'll just that they'll see that and they'll really inspire them to just slow down and. Take a closer look at how they're thinking, how they're interacting with themselves and other people.
0: Take a pause, as to Tara take, Brock says, pause. To take a pause, Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, I love that because you are just, uh, I can feel that as a doctor, if I were a doctor, you would be reconnecting me with myself. What a concept. Like reconnecting me with my soul, my my. My real, my true self.
1: That, that's exactly it. And in, 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 in the context of when I'm working with people and it's really about teaching, um, you know, I ask people, I say, is, is the way that I'm approaching you, is, is it different from what you normally get? And, and the typical response is, oh, my God, it's totally different. <laughs> I say, well, how is it different? And the kind of things that they'll say is, well, you're not talking at me or mm-hmm. I feel like you're not just reading from a book or I feel like this is real. And when I'm working with people, one of the first things that I, that I remind them of, and I always make it very clear that you know, everyone already knows these things intuitively. It's just that we get so stressed out that we forget. So my favorite question to ask people is this. You ever notice, and I'll, and I'll ask you, Connie, okay. you ever notice how a lot of times you just know what you need to do, but you don't do it?
0: Mm, yeah. <laughs> can, you give me, can you give
1: me an example of that?
0: Uh, Well, that's a good question because I have felt, I have to say, I just moved into this new house and I I am usually a pretty good meditator and I usually am pretty conscious and gosh, I'm just forgetful and I'm just... The last few weeks have been really tough. And this morning I got up at 5.30 and I sat on my mat and I made myself sit and sit and sit. So today I'm finally back there and connected. But for the last few weeks, just having my mind in so many different places, it's been really hard to know, to really connect with what is is the next best thing to do. Yeah. And I'm usually pretty connected to that. So
1: yeah, on well, that, that a, yeah, that part of us that knows as mm-hmm. I think you've gathered, that's really who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I like to call the core. And um when we actually pay attention and we listen to that and we follow that, um, you know, we do pretty well, but the issue is that you know, we don't tend to live from our core, we tend to live from the exterior. Mm-hmm. In the exterior is, you know, it's the personality, it's the roles that we play. It's the, you know, the thoughts and the emotions and the mental ideas we have about ourselves. And, you know, when i you know, when I ask people, I said, I'll ask them this question. You know, we, what happens when we get so caught up in our exterior, in our roles? Well, who do we forget?
0: Mm, ourselves. Well, of course,
1: yeah. we forget about ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, the tendency, well, this is another question I ask people, again, in the context of teaching is, you know, where does true peace of mind, where does that come from? Mm.
0: Deep within.
1: It comes from within. Now, we all, you know, of course we all know that, but where do we look? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Maybe it's Facebook or maybe it's, you know, television or maybe it's the phone or maybe it's food or alcohol or drugs or whatever it might be. And, you know, these external things and, you know, some of them, they're not necessarily bad or wrong, but, um, you know, there isn't anything outside of us that can ever really be enough to fill that void that comes Mm -hmm. from. You know when we forget about who we are, you know, on the inside, and and even you know speaking about what we were saying about intention before, maybe even the last time I saw you, um, I was probably about learning this at that at that point in time. But you know, I was really very much addicted to my role as the coach and mm-hmm. my role as the helper. And um, a few years ago, I was in a very you know apathetic place. I really just just didn't care about anything, but I was aware enough to know that something wasn't right. And I called and one of my supports, my coach, Corinne. And, you know, when I told her about kind of where I was at, she asked me a really powerful question. She said, well, why are you doing it? Like, why are you doing whatever you're doing? And what became very apparent to me in that moment was that it was all for the result. It was all about helping someone. It was all for, you know, the better golf score or winning money at poker. These are some of my favorite things to do. And I was so externally focused that I had really, you know, forgotten about myself. And in that moment, she said, you know, you might want to consider upgrading your intention to joy. You know, make joy your the highest priority. And since that, that time, it's been progressively, you know, it's been a work in progress. But, you know, I feel my energy going out when I'm making anything, you know, when we make our... Anything more important than our own joy of the moment and really being within ourselves, you know, we're going to feel pretty lousy when we do that. So um, really, ever since that moment, it's been really a a process of really shifting my attention more inside. And the ironic thing is I seem to do a much better job working with people. I seem to have a much greater impact, yet I'm working less harder than I was, it becomes almost effortless, which mm. is really quite humbling and amazing when you just show up and you seem to make a difference in somebody's life just because you're, you're really just being who you are, not trying to help them, so yeah. to speak.
0: Yeah, I, I, I have found that too, just in teaching yoga for the past year. I've only been teaching for a year, but gradually over time, I'm I'm learning that I have to practice myself. And then when I go out and I all I have to do is be me. (laughs) All I have to do is be me. And being me is not always easy on on any given day. If I'm, you know, having just moved, I tend to have like paint colors swirling around my head and stuff because I enjoy decorating. That is joy for me, but it (laughs) does tend to, I get obsessive about it. But uh, when I am just able to, like this morning, sit on the mat and just be me be with me noticing the thoughts and saying who is that thinking those thoughts and why are you thinking these thoughts but you know it's okay that's me it's so much better i have so much more to offer people so
1: yeah and that and that's really you know one of the purposes of the book is really to inspire people to become better better role models you know for the people that we're serving and you know when i'm around students (laughs) um, i'll ask them well how many of your classmates are emotionally balanced Mm. And the typical response is laughter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they like, laugh.
0: Has anyone and ever asked that question? They,
1: you know, they laugh, yeah. and it's funny, but it's not funny because mm. you know we're living in a culture of it's an epidemic of stress, mm. and you know, so how can we as healthcare professionals expect the people that we're serving to you know be more healthy and you know to maintain their well-being and to make better lifestyle choices if we're not actively practicing that, you know, in our own lives. Right.
0: How can we show up? Yeah. And I just want to reiterate this. I want to get to some of these practices that to cultivate this self-awareness and and attention and intention. But before we go there, I just want to say that with this aging population, um, my parents, for example, they totally look to doctors as the ultimate the god and they will do anything that they say and for the for doctors to be under so much stress and and to show up for these this aging population that so reveres them and and just you know you know what i'm saying Uh, they just have this blind trust of of healthcare professionals almost and it's just not i don't think it's always that good we need this more than ever. Yeah. We need well, this more than do. ever Well, we do, and you now. know,
1: and I, it's important to to really note that you know every healthcare professional, everyone really has the best intentions, of course, from where they're from where Absolutely. they're at. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but there's, you know, the, we're, what we're talking about is a huge paradigm shift, and mm-hmm. when there's a huge paradigm shift, there's a lot of resistance to right. that. But the really amazing thing about it is, is there's so much science out there now that is showing that this is not, you know, these so-called alternative practices are not alternative. And mm. one of the best books that I can recommend is um, You Are the Placebo by Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's been, you know, m- one of my mm. greatest sources of, of knowledge and inspiration and so many amazing things that he teaches in, in that book and in his workshops. But one of my favorite pieces of information from that is that the cells of the body are a hundred times more, more receptive to energy which is the same thing as saying is what we're paying attention to than chemistry. Hmm. So as an example, when I'm working with someone, I'm saying might have someone who's in a really lousy mood and I might show them a funny video of a dog. And in an instant, they start smiling and laughing. And I'll look at them and say, how are you feeling right now? And they're like, well, I feel a little bit better. I'm like, did you take a pill? No. Did you drink alcohol? No. All, all they did was they shifted their focus. And so when they shift their focus, they literally, literally change the entire chemistry of their brain and their body. And what Dr. Joe beautifully illustrates is that the DNA that we have basically are responding to our thoughts. So we are constantly turning genes on and turning genes off just by the thoughts that we think. So, yeah,
0: it's pretty profound. profound. And how about that, uh, Dr. Emoto's uh, water?
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah that was pretty and the body is made so much of water that you know we think these happy thoughts or give water the the happy uh energy the water changes but you know the
1: the funny thing is the science is fantastic but you don't even need it all you have to do is feel notice how you feel when you think lousy thoughts and notice how you feel when you think good thoughts so it's not you know it's not rocket science but Uh, But the you know the science is very helpful because it helps people to kind of let go and and trust Mm -hmm. into that, especially
0: these analytical science based. And I'm
1: very much like that. So God knows if it was not for the science of so many these amazing,
0: absolutely, people who
1: have done it, I I never would have let go and trusted into anything greater than that. So. Mm.
0: Yeah, A lot of people. Yeah. I interviewed Sarah Lazar from Harvard and she talked about the, you know, the power of meditation and just tapping in. She was not a believer. She was totally like, she went to a yoga class and she tells a story about how she was such a doubter. And this teacher's up there telling her, you know, how just sitting still is going to change your life. And she's like, yeah, right, whatever. And then she actually came out of that class feeling better and she said there might be something to this so she studies it and of course you know everything changes when harvard puts their stamp of approval on it so that's good so let's talk about some of these pretty mainstream approaches now that you're you're suggesting to the readers of this book. So I, I noticed yoga was in there, acupuncture, Reiki.
1: Yeah, well, there's you know there's lots of things and uh, that people can do. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know one of the things that I like to make very clear because pe- people often think that I'm teaching a path, and to make them make it very clear. I'm not teaching a path. What I'm what I'm teaching is it's all about becoming more self aware and present. And when you're more self aware and you're present, you'll choose your own path. You'll know what to do and you'll do it. So I wrote an article a a few years ago and it was kind of about why really just consciousness, really just paying attention is the future of of healthcare. And the reason is this, I might go to a yoga class or or an acupuncture session or something like that and I'm likely to feel a lot better when I go there because it's going to clear out. Energy centers is going to do a lot of great things. However, if I leave that yoga class... And I return to the same thought process that I had before the yoga class. You know, how long am I going to feel good for? Right. Not very long. And then I'm going to be so stressed out and I might not even recognize, wait a minute, I need need another yoga class. So the point, you know, really what I'm teaching is it's all about really being present and in, in the moment. And as Eckhart Tolle, you know. Many of you might have heard of him, Mm -hmm. author of the power now, you know, really says is that what we secretly enjoy, we might like a certain activity, but what we secretly enjoy is the beingness, you know, of the present moment, not really our mind, body and soul all being in the same place and time. So um, it's not the activity, it's that our attention is completely in the now. So when we when we can root our attention in the now and we're really tuned in with ourselves, then our internal guidance will say, you know what, I'm a little stressed. I need to go to a yoga class right now. Mm -hmm. Or, you know what, I'm a little bit uh, my, you know, my my chakras feel off balance. I better make an appointment with an acupuncturist or or Reiki or whatever it is for you. So. Yes, there are many you know alternatives that I suggest in here, but it, the book really revolves around how can we become more present because
0: mm-hmm.
1: when we're more present, we're in tune with ourselves and then we can follow our guidance, which will lead to any number of things, which can be really helpful.
0: What is open focus attention?
1: So that is really, if I had to say read only one book, it would be The Open Focus Brain by Dr. Les Femi and Jim Robbins. So uh, Les Femi is a neurofeedback expert out of uh, Princeton, New Jersey. And he's a, if if you're not familiar with what neurofeedback is, it's basically using technology to help the brain, train the brain to to, uh, come into a more relaxed brainwaves. And an interesting story that he tells in the book is that, you know, he spent 12 two-hour sessions um, trying to create alpha brainwave states, which are associated with more relaxed brainwave states. Mm-hmm. Well, no matter what he does, he can't produce these alpha brainwave states. So after about twelve hour or two hours, I think it was, or twelve, 12 sessions, I can't remember the exact uh, figures, but he gives up, and the electrodes are still on his head. And of course, what happens after he gives up?
0: He surrender. Yeah. He yeah.
1: surrenders, and and these, you know, his brain becomes more relaxed. So it took him some some you know time and effort to figure this out. But what he ended up determining is that the way we pay attention um, in our culture tends to be in a very 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 narrow fixated way. So my favorite analogy is to think of um, who we are is like a big open sky, and this is this is not just some psychological hoopla. You know, they know that, you know, we're made of atoms mm-hmm. and they know that atoms are actually made of empty space. So even though everything physical is made of atoms and looks it looks very solid, it's actually more empty space than it is anything physical. Right. So think about who we are as like a big open sky and the clouds in the sky represent the content. So it might be anxiety we have, it might be an activity that we're doing, it might be You know, anger we're experiencing could be anything. But the question is, you know, when we get a cloud in our sky, so to speak, you know, most of us, we tend to narrow our focus and we only look at the the cloud. Mm. Well, what what Dr. Femi figured out is that when we can open our focus, so we're looking at the, the cloud, but also the big picture, that actually gets the brain working in a very coherent state. So where the left and the right brain can communicate with one another. Versus when we're very narrow focused, that gets the brain working in a chaotic state. It's what creates a lot of stress and anxiety. And open focus, is it's nothing that we're not familiar with. Right. I mean, we all love being in the zone, mm-hmm. right? Well, think about how we're really focused when we're in the zone. We're open and relax, but we're focused at the same time. So it's a very natural state of being. It's just not something that we're conditioned to walk around. And again, because like we were saying in the beginning of this, we're so busy doing, doing, mm-hmm. doing that we sort of forget about the being. So,
0: so let's talk about how that can apply to perhaps a doctor who is stressed in a situation, and maybe okay, so, say say um, an OB is delivering a baby. And, uh, it's under, under stress and there has to be a decision, you know, do I do a C-section? Do I deliver the baby? And there's, you know, a lot of stress in that room. You know, the doctor may not be in connect, connected to that inner wisdom, um, as much as he or she should be. Uh, How could this apply in a situation like that and create a positive outcome?
1: Well, you know, and Dr. Femi really talks about this. There are certain situations where, you know, we have to be more narrow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certain situations do do come up where, you know, we sort of have to be. But the more, again, it's a practice. And the more that mm-hmm. we're...
0: Totally a practice.
1: Um, you know, and as an example, actually, my friend Alex, who was really... The, he's a physician and he was the one that told me about this um, open focus. And I remember him telling me, like you know, he's really narrow most of the day, but he says, I always like when I'm going from one person to another, he said, I always do my best to kind of open myself up because so every moment that we're opening ourselves, we're literally gaining energy. Whereas when we're always walking around in that narrow focused state, we're, we're draining energy. So, um, you know, but there are certain situations where, you know, we're going to have to be, you know,
0: Laser, laser, laser focus, laser yeah.
1: focus, and that's obviously it's very necessary. Um, but again, if it's a practice that we have in our lives where we're, you know, where we're staying somewhat open, um, every 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 moment that we're doing that, we're literally we're literally medicating the body. Um, and you know what what Doctor Joe talks about, Doctor Joe Dispenza, in, in his books, he, what he talks about is that when we're in narrow focus a lot and we're very stressed the energy around the organs itself is of course going to be not so great and you know all disease is a result of of you know energy that's uh, not healthy so when our energy isn't good the organs are far more likely to break down and and, you know we get we get you know disease or disease from Mm -hmm. that so so every, you know, as we practice open focus, even if it's just moments here, moment there, um, again, it's, it's one of the healthiest things that we can do.
0: Hmm. So can you talk about some examples of people that you've worked with, some of the, maybe some of your clients or some of your, some medical professionals perhaps who have benefited and you've really seen change after trying meditation, trying some of these mindfulness practices and uh, you know give us some some ideas of how how it could change well on an individual level and then i want to go to more of a um, bigger institutional level
1: so one of one of my favorite stories is i have an old friend and colleague and she she was a new graduate and she and this story is in my book by the way Mm -hmm. and she came in and um, very 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 smart um, but a little bit rigid and sort of uh, you know in in the way she thought things were supposed to work but she was open minded enough to see that some of these sort of quote unquote alternative practices really seemed to be helpful for people and so she stayed kind of you know she was starting to question herself and question
0: sure.
1: her her ideas so one day i offered to um i said i'm going to go work with someone individually would you like to would you like to observe the session she she said sure and I was working with a very, very, very depressed woman, and I don't remember all the, you know, the intricacies of whatever happened. But it was an amazing session where this literally just this woman just completely transformed, you know, right in front of our eyes. And after the, the the woman left the room, I turned to my colleague and I said, you know, do you see now? Because it's one thing to really talk about it, but when you see how influential, how meaningful. Teaching people about these things can really be. Um, it's quite amazing. And she she literally looked at me and said, Oh my God. She just it was like she couldn't believe what she had seen. So I didn't tell her to do anything, but that night she took it upon herself and she went home that night and she started practicing a lot of the things that were that are in this book. Things about becoming more aware, and she started writing down what her thoughts were. She started seeing how they were connected to her behaviors, and and she came in and told me she the next day I, she could not believe what she had you know discovered about herself. So and she became really you know very invested in in making herself more self aware and and just really being more present with with people. So one day a few weeks later she comes to me and she says, "Oh my God, Dan, I, I got to tell you what happened." So at the time she was working on. Um, a geriatric uh, psychiatric unit. And she had a very, very, very uh, paranoid man with schizophrenia that was on the unit that reportedly wouldn't talk to anybody. And she ends up having this great conversation with him. And after the conversation, he says to her, you know, I usually don't tell people anything. And she says, well, I'm really glad that you that you told me some things. And he said he said to her, I knew you were here with me the moment you walked up to me.
0: Mm, that's so exciting! Yeah, yeah.
1: So her her own presence, you know, just cut right through his his illness. Now, is that going to cure his illness? Of you know, of course not. But if more healthcare professionals were showing up in that way, who knows what could happen? And and you know, so it's that's just there's so many, there's countless stories of, of, of love that heals. I share. Yes. Love
0: heals, you know. uh I know just from my own personal experience, um, we haven't mentioned the word spiritual, but it is sort of a spiritual path when you embark on these self, because it is, you, you find out that you, in my experience, I'll speak for myself. I, I find out that I am made of love. I'm, I'm all these, you know, floating Mm -hmm. particles of love. And, um, I have found that it has deeply made me so much more, um, empathic compassionate with people can you talk about that a little bit like it's it's an opening of the heart in a lot of ways and to me that's the antithesis of what our medical system is teaching them to to come into the experience with the the uh, quote-unquote patient.
1: Yeah, well, and, and, and this is where the science is really helpful. And, you mm-hmm. know, and it's kind of like we have to know who our audience is. I mean, there was a probably time probably 15 years ago, if you said the word spirit to me, I would probably would have rolled my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked and in the book, you know, I don't use the word spirit. I mm-hmm. use, there's a couple, a few words that I use, and it's really, it's all about awareness mm-hmm. or space because we literally, who we are literally is space. And if you think about that quote, you know, that we always say, I need space. Well, when we say I need space, what we're really saying is I need me. I'm too caught up in my emotional Mm, stuff. So I use when I work with people, you know, I use these words, you know, about who you are. You're not you're not your diagnosis. You are the awareness that knows that exists and. One of my favorite little things to to share with people, is a really hilarious uh, mad TV skit with Bob mm-hmm. Newhart, and Bob plays a psychiatrist or a therapist, and basically his whole treatment is he just tells his the woman that he's working with to stop it. So no matter what his <laughs> you know her it. problem is, just stop
0: it. That's so it's
1: very funny. You, you know, you have to look it up and watch it yourself.
0: I love Bob but Newhart. But
1: I showed it to. Um, a very depressed guy that I had. And after, you know, after he watched the video, he said, if it was that easy to stop it, I would. Mm. And I said to him, I said, you know what? You're right. I said, as long as you think you are this depressed guy, you're right. There's very little that you can do. I said, but you are not this depressed guy. You are the awareness or the consciousness that knows that this depressed guy exists. And when this depression exists, and when you start operating from that place of awareness or consciousness much like a screenwriter for a movie you can start to rewrite a new script for yourself and he ended up doing you know really 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 well after that point and as a matter of fact he works in the hospital or work so I see him you know a few times a year and you know, and, and last, in fact, last time I saw him, you know, he was like, oh, you know, he's doing great, by the way. He's got a new job that he loves. He's, you think he's getting married this this fall? And last time I saw him, he was like, yeah, I used, you know, it was another technique that we talked about. I used that thing you were talking about. So, and it really helped. And he's, and he, you know, does he still have depression? I'm sure that he does. I'm sure he experiences symptoms sometimes, but I know he manages it because he... He no longer identifies with that depression. He sees who he is beyond that. And so he can manage his symptoms a lot more effectively.
0: Hmm. I, if, if only it were that easy to just be able to use words. What is the most effective modality that you've used with, with your clients and with, with some of these people that are reading your book? Is there one that's that's the most effective, or that is the go-to? The the
1: the one that's most effective is is really open focus. I and mean, there's mm, lots okay. of things, but and you can try this on your own, you know, at home if you're ever watching this or listening to this. Excuse me. Um, you know what you can do is take like a you know roll up a, pe- a, a paper ball and just put it in the center of the room, and then all you all you do is for, and you, that that represents the cloud, and what you can do is just. zoom your attention in almost like you are a camera going in for the micro shot. Okay. Okay. And then what you do is without taking your eyes off of the paper ball, you just start to open your focus to include other things. So as an example, right now, Connie, you're like my cloud. Okay. Okay. So, but even though I'm aware of you, I can see that there's, you know, plant over here. I can see there's pictures on the wall. I can see... I can see other things, I can see chairs around, I can see some light in the window, I can see other things around me. As I open my focus in this way, I'm literally gaining energy and my, if, if my brain was hooked up to a, to a scan, it would show more healthy brain activity. Mm. Now, I'm going to consciously narrow my focus and if I start looking at you like this,
0: I think you're creepy.
1: Okay. First of all, (laughs) I look really intense. Now I'm opening my focus up again.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So, but literally that's, so that's a simple exercise. And and what I suggest to people is that pretend that you're a camera and when you're walking around your life, just walk around in panoramic view. That's it. Instead of like Hmm. just zooming your attention to Mm -hmm. where you're going just open your focus and pay attention to your senses. Because as Dr. Joe teaches, you can't we can't think and sense at the same time. So mm. when our focus yeah. is open. So that's there's lots of things that really work but but that's probably by far the thing that's wow. and it's a thing that we're that's doing cool. you know as an example. I remember you know I when I'm working with people I'll say what do you like to do when you're in the zone? And I remember one time I had a guy that was a pilot, and so think about how your focus has to be when you're a pilot. It's really open. So, he thinks he likes flying, and yes, he likes flying, but what he really likes is his attention. It's open. Now, think about, you know, most of us, you know, we maybe we love playing basketball or we love, you know, singing or whatever it is. So most of us are open, and then as soon as we're done the activity that we love, what do we do with our attention?
0: Yeah, we go. We're right back we narrow in.
1: back in. Yeah. So, I say, why not just stay just there? Stay open.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. What a concept. Wow. Yeah. So, so going back to that idea of using these concepts for the institution of the med- the whole healthcare system. What is your vision for? just if if everybody espoused a lot of these ideas, how would that change? how 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 come coming out to that open field how how do you see it?
1: Oh, I think it'd be amazing. I think people would be treated at all times with the utmost kindness and kindness and compassion and respect. Mm-hmm. No one would feel more, greater or less than anybody else. Um, you know people would just feel so much more connected. I think there'd be, there'd be no burnout in the field. I think there'd be so much more, uh, you know, people just so grateful for being able to, you know, the gift of serving and then people, you know, and the people who are receiving healthcare would be so much more willing, willing and able to receive, uh, care and to be able to make those lifestyle choices. And when, when those are possible, um, and just you know, a health care system where there's just not a lot of stress. and it's really all about it's all about you know kindness and compassion and um, true healing and true and true healing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is not to discount the you know the innovative care as well. Right. I mean, you right. know, so um, but you know when when I'm working with you know with students, I always say, you know I'm not trying to make you like me. I'm trying to make you the best you. And when you're more attentive, you're more creative, you're more innovative and you're going to come up with things that you never could have thought of if you were really like trying to be perfect. Yeah,
0: the guy who invented penicillin and the, you know, all these great the heart the heart advances that we have in heart disease and all these things came from people who had these awesome creative minds and you know, yeah. uh, somewhere along the way we've lost a lot of that. Yeah. I feel like A a lot of advances would be made with some of this. And on top of that, just think about how many, if you find make-believers out of healthcare professionals, how many of their, quote-unquote patients, (laughs) how many of their clients will receive uh, a a prescription for meditation or self-awareness as opposed to... I would love to see them, you know. A lot more prescriptions. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's all good, Dan Eisner. Thank you so much for your new book, The Clinical Success Formula, How to Reduce Anxiety, Build Confidence and Pass with Flying Colors. This is for everybody. Totally.
1: Yeah, it really it really is. And you know, I've had so many people read it who who are in healthcare who said how much it's really made a difference. So yes, yeah, so I would invite anyone to, to take a look at it and to uh, you know, see you know, it's just lots of practical strategies in there that just and and I put so many different ones in there because different There's, things speak to different right. people, and and I think it really invites the reader to figure out their own path. Yes. And, and, yeah.
0: Yeah, and get to know themselves, as you say. I love that you write in there: success without peace is not true success. I think that's a nice thought to leave people with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this our our medical system is so based on success and goals and competition and wouldn't it be nice if we could throw a little piece in there
1: absolutely I think it'd be
0: nice for everybody all around and we can have
1: both I mean that's Mm -hmm. the thing it's not it's not one or the other it's both and that's really what that's really what open focus is really all about you know it's being focused on a goal but also not losing ourselves in the goal yeah so
0: awesome awesome yes. well everyone should read this book thank you for more information about you working with you as a coach or getting more information about having you speak about this or anything where can people go
1: so you can go to my website which is dan dot and it's e-i-s-n-e-r um, you can also search you can purchase uh, the book on my website or you can also purchase it on Amazon uh, if you just search dan eisner on Amazon you can find it you can find it there
0: and as I know, if you read the book and you love it, write a little review because that gets the word out and we need to spread the word about this. Yes, I would yeah. really
1: appreciate it if you do, if you find yeah. value in it, if you would write a review, that would be yeah. amazing.
0: Reviews are the key on Amazon. I learned they that are. when I wrote my book. So Awesome. Well, thank you, Dan. Thanks for coming back on the podcast. And I think this one will sound a lot better than the first one. <laughs> so go back and listen to the first one, but this one is bangerang. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for having me.